Blythe. Hi, Erin. How's it going? <laughs> it's fantastic. I'm so happy to be podcasting with you again on the regular. I know. On the reg. It's, it's really nice. We might not get our third one in. We're going to try. Halloween one. We're going to try. Yeah. We're going to push for it, but it'll be aggressive. We can do it. I don't think it's going to happen. But we're going to focus on the now, the here and now, and the second spooky episode that we have planned today involves uh, teen transformations. Yeah. We have a, uh, a teen wolf, a teen witch, and a preteen ghost. So we I have a lot to say about all of these movies. I, I, I didn't enjoy any of them. Oh, no. <laughs> I hadn't told you that prior to now, but I have. I didn't enjoy any of them. Okay, that's good to know. Yeah. I, well, let's just get into it. Great. This is Smile You Love Us. This is a teen movie podcast. This is our Halloween edition. We're just jumping right into the first movie on our list, uh, which is Teen Wolf. If we're ranking the ones that I like the least... It's this one. Oh, no. Oh, yeah. This was my palate cleanser. This is the one that I was like, okay, like... Literally nothing <laughs> Nothing happens in this movie. So I'm excited to hear what you summarize and potentially edit it all out afterwards because there's no plot. Uh, you'll be happy to... There's a setup. And that's it. You'll be happy to hear, Aaron, that uh, a New York Times critic, when asked to review this movie, called it aggressively boring. It is aggressively <laughs> boring. When, it, when, when I could tell that it was nearing the end, I was like, you've got to be kidding me. Because nothing had happened, and I also was like, can we wrap this up? I will say that the prevailing theme of all of these movies is there are no lessons. I don't, I don't agree. Okay, well, we can... I think there's a great lesson in Teen Witch. I... Okay. It's really messed up, but it's a great lesson. So, I um, volunteered to give a short plot summary of Teen Wolf, and the most interesting part of Teen Wolf is Michael J. Fox. He is the lead. Obviously. This movie uh, came out in 1985. It debuted number two in the box office, losing out only to Back to the Future, which, Shut yes, up. Which came out the month before. Michael J. Fox had the number one and number two movie at the box office in the summer of 1985. He is unbelievably He's king. cool. I mean, like, in this movie, you just don't believe that... Like, when they're just encouraging him to be himself, mm-hmm. it's like... Obviously, he's Michael J. Fox. Yeah, talk about, you want to say aggressively boring? How about aggressively charming? He's like the most charming person in, and he's also like 90 pounds soaking wet, and he's you totally so buy him as a leading lady, as like a leading man. Like, so I have to defend this movie a little bit. The premise is very, very basic, okay? Michael J. Fox. That's a kind word for it. Um, is, this is an after school special <laughs> with a movie star leading. But what is the what what is the after school special? What do you reveal? What is learned? What is the be lesson? Be yourself. It's enough, even if you're a, a wolf. <laughs> anyway, Michael J. Fox is a high schooler. He's unpopular, but he's like not that unpopular. He's like best friends with Styles, who seems to be like one of the most popular people in the film. I don't know. I he's couldn't. Like, I couldn't understand if they were friends. I don't know. 
to anyone who's new to Teen Wolf, like I was new to Teen Wolf. I had never seen it before. I had never seen it before either. Um, and Styles is like the sidekick, and he was giving me like heavy, heavy Sutter Keeley vibes. He was giving me yeah. like, yep, he yeah. is the prototype. They kind of look alike. Too. They look alike. They like have the same laissez faire attitude, and like totally, and are like here for fun. Like they are like the ringleaders of the fun, the MCs of the cabaret, like. What you've just said made the character more interesting than the character made himself in the okay. movie, though. Well, that's... Like, <laughs> okay. Continue. Um, so he finds out maybe a third of the way through the movie that he's a werewolf, which is hysterical. No, he finds out a little... Well, I know, you're right. It's, yeah. a, it's, the, it's a slow burn, the beginning. It's yeah. like... And then, the, I mean, I, I did think that that was just the utmost camp. Oh. When he opens the bathroom door and his dad is also a werewolf. <laughs> I laughed so hard. I guess we should talk about something. <laughs> so, turns out his dad is a werewolf and, like, sometimes it skips a generation. But, like, his dad is like, you can live with it. You know, he runs a hardware store. He's, like, a totally normal guy. They really don't explain the rules of these transformations in any of these films. Right. Like, like it's, in theory, tied to... Um, no, they do in Teen Witch give some logic to it, but in theory, it's, it seems like Teen Wolf is when it's a full moon, but then he can like turn it on and off in the middle of yeah. a basketball game. Right. So. And obviously, his dad is has never been a wolf in his son's presence right. or in public because people would be talking about it. Right. The other weird thing is that there is a teenage werewolf in like a very high stakes basketball game. Uh, yeah, so after and he finds no, out... And, like, where, where is the press? Where is the media? Like, this is... This... Maybe I'm just stuck in, like, the current day where everything is... You no, know, I just don't understand how this movie got made. Like, how someone was like, so we... Like, there has to be a How Did This Get Made on Teen Wolf, right? There isn't, actually. There's one on Teen Witch, which I will talk about. But I had the same thought here, and I was like, this is... Banana. What was this the pitch? Is, what was the this pitch? This is the stupidest movie premise. This is not a very good script. Like there are really bad. There are some like haha moments. Obviously, when his father feels <laughs> he's a werewolf, but it is. I don't understand. And it made eighty million dollars. This movie was like a hit. And there's like a spinoff now. There's an MTV sexy teen show about it like people are into werewolves apparently i don't know um so he's like uses his werewolf status to gain popularity it's honestly the same exact plot of teen witch like rises super high in the ranks and becomes the most popular boy in school and then like gets with the most popular girl but turns out like she's not that great and oh he has this charming girl next door that has always liked him named boof yeah, I'd like, oh, to sorry, talk, boof. I'd like to talk about Boof for a little bit. So, Boof, um, Boof is, like, extremely problematic. Yeah, well, there's a few very problematic scenes in this Oh, film. yeah, yeah. Um, We're not going to get into the bikini wrestling. Yeah. We're not even going to touch that. But Boof is just like, I like you, and I think you're being ridiculous, and I'm just going to hang around yeah. until you decide that you like me too. And it's totally fine that you're dating other girls. Right. Meanwhile, Booth should like totally get with Styles or someone else. Like there's like some cute guys in that school. Yeah. Anyway, Booth was sad. Made me sad. Booth made um, me sad as well. And so Michael J. Fox becomes like this very popular werewolf. <laughs> yeah, that's <laughs> and, like, the movie. And 
Um, but he starts pissing people off because, like, he's so good at basketball when he's a werewolf. Because some, for some reason, those things right. translate. Like, right. he was not that good at basketball before he was a werewolf, but then became very good at basketball because being in a canine family gives you basketball powers. It's not really fleshed out. But his teammates get really... But also, dumb. like, people are a little afraid of him. People are intimidated like by him. Yeah. He obviously has, like, some sort of heightened strength and, like you know, I guess, hand-eye coordination. But his Honestly, team... Honestly, like, Airbud has significantly more plot than this movie. I've never seen Airbud. What? Well, I... Save it for your your dog podcast. My dog Skip, Airbud. Air I don't know what else. Uh, isn't there one with Milo Ventimiglia with his dog <sighs> driving in the rain with my dog or something? Yeah, that... that I will never see that movie. That book is like... Oh, I read, read that book before I had a dog, before I had Alice, and I'm gonna cry right now. Oh, it geez. is just okay. like it's driving in the car with my dog. It's called the Art of Racing in the Rain. Okay, um, it's a great book, but like sad. Marley and Me. There's one. This one's way sadder than Marley and Me. Okay. Well, Marley and Me is like first of all a true story, so it's like chill. Yeah, you know, like it's it's mm-hmm. believable. Art of Racing in the Rain is just like designed to make you fall apart. Erin dislikes Teen Wolf so much that she would rather talk about a hypothetical <laughs> dog <laughs> podcast that has not been made than I talk truly, about this movie. I truly was like, I mean, last week you were like, "Do you wish you had the hour and a half back that you spent watching the craft?" And I was like, "No, Teen Wolf, <laughs> yeah." <laughs> Yeah, although I do feel that Teen Wolf... Can we be done with the plot of it? Just want to, just really quick. So his basketball teammates and his friends are like, you're so mean now that you're a werewolf. Or like, you don't share. They are like, you're a ball hog. Like, you you become too famous for your, whatever. So he decides for the last game of the season, whatever, the championship, he's just going to play as normal Michael J. Fox. and Scott Howard. And, um, And he's like, and they win, he passes the ball, it's like a lot, like, the team is having a great time. Well, except when he walks into the, I thought that was, I thought that was a great moment, too, but I was also a little confused, because I was like, they can't be this mad that he didn't show up as a werewolf, but then his coach walks over to him and goes, where's the wolf? And I was <laughs> yeah. like, what yes. happened yes. in the making of this yes. movie? Um, like, how was the director like, okay, now, I want you to walk over. And be a little more of an emphasis on the wolf part of it. Yes. Because it's called Teen Wolf. Wolf. So be like, where's the wolf? Oh, and his friends are like making t-shirts about wolf fever. I mean, it was very campy. So, moral of the story is that like he is just as successful on the basketball court, not a wolf. And he's more successful because he shares the ball. There's a lot of basketball in this film, which is maybe why I liked it a little more than Aaron. Um, and then at the end, he and Boof get together, and he's like, everyone's fine with him being a werewolf. In a very, I mean, if we're gonna talk about, like, a classic teen moment, winning the big game, mm-hmm. and then going to kiss the girl on the mm-hmm. stands, like, is it. And that's how the movie ended. There was nothing else. There was no, like, dealing with this issue of being a werewolf, how is this going to affect his like life? I feel there were a number of teen wolves after this, though, right? Yeah. I mean, aside from the TV show, like, there was, like, Teen Wolf 2. There was, and there was also, like, a cartoon show. They, like, adapted it for... 
I, that's what I'm really, I'm just really confused how this IP spun off. People were very into it. I don't know why. I have no idea why. I do kind of think that the Michael J. Fox of it all is, is the, is it? I mean, if Back to the, if they, if these had been reversed, this came out before Back to the Future, I do not think Teen Wolf would be successful. But Back to the Future was so good and so successful and Michael J. Fox was so charming that they were like, cool, another teen flick starring Michael J. Fox. Right. And everyone was like, gotta go. I've seen Back to the Future 12 times already. I guess I'll watch something else. I mean, movies were different then too. Box offices totally. were different. Like, But wow. I kept, um, I kept trying to think like, I think I tried to find more in this movie than there was. Like I kept thinking like, Maybe there's more to this. Maybe this is like a metaphor for like puberty or like, is this about like toxic masculinity or is this like a queer identity arc? And it's like, no, this movie is literally like, it's just not that deep. It is so not deep. It is so, it's exactly what I just said. It's a teenage werewolf playing basketball, making out with chicks and Finding out his dad is also a werewolf. That's it. Yeah, and why did his teacher hate him? I didn't really catch that. There's a lot of teacher-hating students in this and Teen Witch. We'll, we'll talk about Teen Witch in a moment. Yeah. We'll talk about it right now. I'm done okay. with Teen Wolf. Well. Are you ready to top I hated, that? I hated Teen Wolf, so <laughs> I'm glad. I'm glad what, I... What wait, order did you watch these movies in? Which Casper Wolf. Oh, okay. I did Casper Witch Wolf. The last thing I'll say about Teen Wolf is I'm glad I've seen it because I feel like it is part of the cultural zeitgeist when you're talking about the 80s and you're talking about Michael J. Fox. And now I'm glad that I can see it so that when people say like, oh yeah, isn't that movie the best? I can say like, have, have you watched it recently? <laughs> like, have you really watched that movie as an adult, as a grown person? Like, Sober? Yeah, Have you seen that movie, Sober? It's definitely teen movie canon. Like, when we first started this podcast, it was on lists of, like, most, like, quintessential teen movies. I mean, and it has teen in the name. Right. And um, it has, like, the teen parties and the teens, like, buying alcohol and, like, fun teen shenanigans, like, surfing on the, you know, car surfing and... Do you want to hear a really funny story? It's actually a horrifying story about, um shenanigans from my youth yeah. with cars. So I didn't... I can't believe I'm about to say this story. Um, I'm sure you're familiar with Ghost Ride the Whip, the concept. Yes. Well, my friends Do and I... Do you want to explain it to people who might not be familiar no, with it? No, I don't. Okay. I right. don't, actually. Dad, I'll explain it to you later. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Sorry. Um, you ba- Yeah. No, I don't... I don't That's fine. You don't I have don't to. I really want to explain it. Yeah, so I didn't have my license in high school because I just, like, didn't want to deal with my parents and learning how to drive. Um, and all of my friends then got their license, and they all had cars. And there was also no point of me getting my license because I wouldn't have had a car. So I, I just, also like, didn't have my license in high school. Oh, thank you for yes, sharing that I had, detail. like, huge anxiety. You also grew up in, like, a biking capital. and I did, and I just made people hang out at my house, which they seemed okay with. I'm... Sure, my friends will tell you, like, no, we drove life around a lot. And it was oh, really yeah, my friends would be like, could you give me some money? Because <laughs> yeah. we just take you a lot of places. Um, but my friend Emily had a car that we called Jadis. I don't even know why that was the name of the car. Mm-hmm. It was a red Saab convertible that was 
a two-seater with that, like, weird little, you know, back seat. I'm familiar. Um, and we decided to, to go shred the whip in her car in a parking lot, and then we told people about it, and they were like, interesting. You know that you put the car in neutral, not drive, right? And we were like, no, did not know that. Oh my god. Are you serious? Yeah. So, we just were like the dumbest dum-dums of all time. No one got hurt. Everything's fine, but like... Oh my god! That is some like fucking Fast and the Furious shit. Yeah, and like we were—it was probably like eleven a.m. We were like completely sober and just were like really bored. Yeah, I mean that could be a theme of a lot of the these movies, like the things that people do to pass the time. Ooh, you mean teen movies? Yeah, once we're talking about teen movies. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. In general. Um, yeah, so that's my Ghost Ride the Whip story. Sorry for that little divergence. No, um, I appreciate that. That is... That's like... <laughs> cars and shenanigans. I haven't thought about that in a long time. Yeah. Um, okay, Teen Witch. So, I was... Which, just to... Sorry to interject immediately, but apparently Teen Witch, which came out in 1989, was, like, done directly in response to the success of Teen Wolf. They even, like, took the font from Teen Wolf. They were like, we are going to remake... They did take the font. We are going to remake Teen Wolf, but with a, t- a girl, and it's going to be witches. And it was honestly way better. There was actual plot to it. Um, there was plot. And exposition. Yes, but I would also argue that her powers confounded me. Yeah, okay, so Teen Witch focuses on this girl Louise. I'd like to talk about the very beginning of this movie. I could write a 10-page essay on the first five minutes of this on movie. On purpose, I, and it's actually five minutes because I looked at the timestamp. I did It's too. like actually five minutes. Mm-hmm. It starts with this, it starts with, what's his name? Brad, mm-hmm. not Louise. We don't mm-hmm. see her. So it starts with this guy on and there's just this like 80s saxophone playing. There is so much saxophone in this movie that is troubling. I I was fine with the rest of the saxophone, but the beginning saxophone was like ridiculous. Five minutes of saxophone. It is basically like a it's a Paula Abdul softcore porn yes. music video. This this movie really is like a series of music videos. It's it's so weird. Yes. Okay. So. I want to talk about that too because, like, it's a mu- it's a lip syncing musical. Yeah, right. It's that's why I'm like, it's not really a musical. It's just like music videos. No one sings, but they dance around to die diegetic sound, which I explained yes. in our very first episode. Which is like, that means music that the other like the characters can hear this. It's not like. They're dancing around to things and, like, we're hearing a different version of it. Like, in the movie, a bunch of girls are in a locker room and they turn on a song and then they break out into a choreographed dance. Yes, which uh, my husband said... <gasps> oh my god, I'm yes. so glad he watched he wa- I turned this on while he was watching baseball and I am not ashamed to say that this uh, took his eye for quite a few scenes. He literally said, um, these girls are dressed like... Chrissy Brinkley. Yeah. But they dance like the WB Frog. Wow. 
Wow, Billy. That's two very strange references for you to pull out. That is... It's like, okay. Okay, so Teen Witch starts with this actual five-minute dance sequence to... Sexy it time is, it saxophone. It's like an, a Paul Abdul video. You're exactly right. It's, it's like backlit. there's Yes. It's like shadows. Yes. It's backlit with like deep reds and purples. And so and many they're scarves. On a roof to, so, yeah, that's how we in, are introduced to her. It's just a red scarf. <laughs> I literally just hit Blythe in my like emphasis of the red scarf. Yeah, so that's how it starts. And then obviously it's like a dream and Louise wakes up. And under her bed is her brother, Mm -hmm. which Mm -hmm. I really want to talk about that, but we'll come back to the brother. And then it sets up that she has a crush on this guy who's in the, you know, who's in the dream. So we go to school. We find out Louise is really, like, smart, has skipped a grade, is picked on by this teacher, put a pin in the teacher. We'll come back to him, too. Um, Embarrassing things happen, blah, 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 blah. She ends up getting run off the road on her bike by Brad, said crush, who's dating the girl who lives across the street. Whose name is Randa. Yeah. Randa. Randa. What? Like, maybe maybe she's, like, short for Miranda. That is... I didn't think about that. That's very generous. I was like, what the fuck is a Randa? I I mean, it was 1989. The year year of my birth. Mm. Brag. Yeah, I'm so young. Uh, so, so uh, she gets run off the road, and he breaks her bike, and she then goes to this Madame Serena. Oh, he runs her off the road because he's getting, like, a hand job from his girlfriend in the car. Oh, yeah. That is what's going on. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> um, and then, yeah, by Randa. Brad and Randa. So... She goes to Madame... Their couple name is Branda. Brand. Oh, my God. <laughs> she goes to Madame Serena's and... Why does she... That's another... Like, why does she go to Madame Serena's? It's just, like, she the just closest knows home. about No, this. no, no, no. It's just, like, the closest thing she encounters. Oh, I thought she was, like, led there by her, like... I mean, I think that that's like. ultimately the case. Okay. So, she tries to call a cab, and Madame Serena is, like, trying to read her palm... And, um, so Madame Serena is played by Zelda Rubenstein, who, she's very recognizable, but I don't know if she's recognizable to people who, like, weren't fans of Teen Witch. But she was in Poltergeist, I guess that was where she got her big break, and then she was supposed to be in, um, she filmed scenes for Casper, you know, when they're going through all the different faces. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah, but it got a cut. Fun little nugget. I know. So, um, she is not sham of a psychic, but that's how it's kind of presented at the beginning, and she's looking at Louise's hand, and she's like, oh, you're one of us. You'll get your powers on your 16th birthday. Let me guess. It's next year. Blah, blah, blah. Next week. Sorry. So then Louise's birthday comes. It's like so lame. Her mom gives her a sweater vest for her 16th birthday, and then slowly she starts to have these like weird powers where she just kind of like wills things like, oh, I wish you would... And then it happens. And so then she goes to see Madame Serena and she's like, I told you, you're a witch and your spells like are very, you know, weak in the beginning, but we can make you strong. And so then she goes on a series of escapades where she's strengthening her powers. Like she goes to this concert and gets this like magic, the jacket from the lead singer. And then she's going to use that in a potion to become the most popular girl. 
Then they sing this song, I Want to Be the Most Popular Girl, which has been stuck in my head for, I don't know, however many days. But it's Um, not really a musical. It's not a musical. No one is singing on screen, but they can all hear this music, and they're dancing choreographed dances to it. It's really weird. Also, Louise is played by um, Robin Lively, who is Blake Lively's much older sister. I did not know that yeah. until you mentioned that earlier, and I was blown away. Yeah. Like, I mean, just full stop, like, Louise is, like, so stunning. She has, like, amazing I know. bone structure. She's so sweet. So having her be, like, the awkward, like, nerdy girl is, like, kind of a hard sell because you literally put her in a miniskirt, and it's like, oh, she's a bombshell. Yeah, that's how they, like, make her cool, is right. she just, like, shortens her skirt. Um, then... Brad needs tutoring, and then she and Brad kind of, like, fall in love-ish, and, you know, Randa doesn't see him for who he really is, and, you know, like, how can he go to Stanford and play football when he just wants to learn and has to rebuild his career all over again? And she's like, Brad, you have a lot more to offer than football. And I'm just like, I'm sorry. I don't think he does. (laughs) I don't think he does. He has done nothing to show us that he has anything to offer other than... I will say, so he's played by this... Actor named Dan Gauthier, probably Gauthier, maybe. I don't know. I don't want to give him that much credit. He's super. He has like real. He he looks the perfect part of this guy. Yeah. But he's got no charisma. No. He's got no screen presence. Like he. He's like a Jake Ryan clone. I was just gonna say he is a full. Jake Ryan type, you know the casting director was like, we want Jake Ryan, but we want him like with broader shoulders to play football, <laughs> and they gave us this guy, but Dan, the actor, went on to be on... He went on to be on One Life to Live for like 15 years, so like power to him. Like that's a successful career, and I'm sure he made... Plenty of good I mean, money. he's got a face for soaps, for sure. Exactly. Yeah, I could totally see yeah, that. He so probably played some, like, doctor. hot doctor. Right, yeah. right. Totally. Okay, so... Very one note. Here are the things, and then at the end of the movie, and in the process of this, she kind of, like, loses her friend with Polly, I think is her, her name. Her name is Polly. I will say that I had never... I watched this movie only after I listened to the How Did This Get Made episode on Oh, it. you did not watch this movie as a youth. No. And... Okay. Jason Manzukas. If you're not familiar with this podcast, how does it get made? They take like bad it's Jason Manzukas, Paul Shear, and June Diane Raphael. And Paul Shear's like very. Uh, he's a film buff. June Diane Raphael is an amazing comedian actress, amazing and is also comedian. his wife. And Jason Manzukas is also an amazing comedian and actor. And they just talk. about... And they're all very good friends and have been yes. for a very long time. And they just talk about bad movies and ask the question, "How did this get made?" Like. Who was the director? What, you know. And they had a whole show about this movie that was very, very good. And it was so good that I, I then went and watched the movie. This was like two years ago. But Jason Manzoukas only refers to Polly as hats during mm. the whole episode. Yes. She does have very, like, um, like a, a Punky Brewster yeah. in high She's school like vibe. Blossom, Punky Brewster. Totally. She's like, your quint- like, there are just so many quintessential 80s prototypes in this movie. Like... Or not even prototypes, like archetypes. So like, here's the thing, though. I think that Polly and, like... Hats. Alana Glazer are yes, on the same totally. spectrum 100%. of people. 100%. And the same spectrum of characters, except, yes. like, 
different era, different levels of yes. confidence. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Jason Manzoukas was like, I was obsessed with hats. Like, she was so, so cute. Like, great personality. Like, yeah. he was... And mm-hmm. she, like, tells Louise off. She's just yes. like, you suck. Yeah. And Louise is like, well, I miss you in our friendship. And she's like, great, well, you can't just, like, have it at your disposal. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That was like a very substantive conversation in the the fluff of this movie. <laughs> um so it basically ends in another weird dance montage to bookend the beginning um where inexplicably Madam Serena is at their prom. I don't yeah. know why. And um Louise g- kind of casts off her abilities and she and Brad are you know dancing and in love on the the, yeah. the dance floor and then the movie ends um you know obviously we've watched a lot of teen movies and so immediately I'm like well what happens when Brad goes to college right are you gonna pick your powers back up because Louise was only a junior but here's the thing so I've seen and I should have tech I should have called my sister to talk about this um before the the pod but I have seen Teen Witch a lot. Okay. And I had kind of forgot that I had. Um, it kind of like feels like it belongs programmatically alongside like um, Wish Upon a Star. Mm-hmm, or mm-hmm. my sister was texting me about uh, the movie the other day, Model Behavior. Yes. Love that movie. Um, you know, things like, you know, that were not Disney Channel original movies, but were heavy like, rotation. Not, not Disney Channel original right. movies. They were on the heavy rotation. So, Teen Witch, I mean, I, I knew beat for beat. Once I put it on, I was like, I couldn't, I didn't remember the um, opening dance montage, but I knew beat for beat what was going to happen once I was, like, buckled in. You know what? That's probably because you could, like, throw on the VHS and you knew you had five minutes to, like, get popcorn and, like, grab a diet soda and, like... Maybe. I mean, I'm, t- I'm saying, like, I think I watched this movie when I was, like, eight. Oh. And that is really disturbing to me. <laughs> They're so sexual. The sex <laughs> stuff in this movie is arguably the most irresponsible thing I've ever seen. Oh, it's so explicit. They have, they have this... First of all, the teacher, Mr. What's-His-Name... Is like the most inappropriate teacher of yes, all time. It's he's very bad. So disrespectful to his students. He's he's a total creep. Like yeah. So that was bizarre to me. And then also they just have this scene. Like Louise is in ninety percent of the scenes, mm-hmm. and then they have this scene that Louise is not in, where they just have this random teacher being like, "I guess the school board has decided that I will teach you sex ed." And then she just, like, gives this really, really, really rudimentary, like, sperm goes to the egg and that's how a baby comes thing. And she's, like, heckled by the students. And that's the whole scene. Yeah. And I'm just like, what? Why Why is this here? There's also a scene where that same teacher, like, pulls out her birth control pills and, like, flashes it for the whole class. Yeah. And makes a statement, like, oh, they're all still in their place, like guess you're not taking them right now or something. It was just right. so messed up. I was like, I'm very glad I didn't see this as a, as a preteen because I probably, like, so would have been scarred. My mom used to do this thing where she would pause the movie, the, any movie that we were watching, and be like, do you have any questions about what you just saw? And it was really not fun. That's very good parenting, But it, Yeah, and when I'm rewatching this, I'm like, 
Where were you on this one, Mom? (laughs) Truly. Like, this was maybe one we should have paid attention to, Mom. I didn't really need you to explain to me, like, anything happening in Groundhog Day, which I remember. But, like, this. um, So, yeah. And then that's kind of, like, ridiculous when you think about, like, adult movies that were, like, totally fine to watch. And then you think about, like, this and you're, like, how inappropriate well, um, I wonder if it was similar to my experience with Clueless, where, like, I was young enough where there were just references that totally went over my head. Like, I wouldn't... I, I don't would, know. Birth control is, like... I mean, if I had seen that as an eight-year-old, I would have no idea what those pills meant. Like, I would have right. known, like... I would have just been, like, I... This is something that I don't understand. Maybe. Um, I would have never thought that Brad ran her off the road because he was getting a hand job. I'd have just been, like, oh, he's distracted. I mean, I just watched it at 31 years old and I was like, is that what was happening? Um, the thing that I found absolutely the most bizarre is the brother. The brother is my favorite part of the movie. The brother is a food addict. No, yes. Uh, they actually talk about this quite a bit on how this get made. <laughs> I'm, I'm gonna wa- listen to it on my walk home. It, he is like so grotesque and I can't remember, and this is what I wanted, I, I wish I had asked my sister about, like, do we find that to be hilarious, or do we find it to be kind of freaky? Okay, so he, his line reading, he is hilarious. Like, I, like, we're He has this weird, like, Jewish mother, like, New Yorker Jewish mother yes. affectation to the way he speaks. It's like, New York- He sounds like a Dina Menzel in Uncut Gems. Yes. Like, he does. So you think you're hot stuff because you went to a dance. That's literally what he said. He's so menacing when you watch him now. But as a child, I don't think I found him menacing. I mean, I definitely didn't find him menacing. Well, he is so disturbing because... He's covered in food. He's covered in food. Yeah, he clearly has an eating addiction. He also clearly is so... Suffers so much from, like just his parents ignoring him and like being like the second child and like he's I think he's just starved for attention this was by far the most disturbing thing I've seen out of the six movies we've watched in the last two weeks wow this is it that character when he's eat, when he's making the pizza and yeah. he's just eating meatballs and, and he's just like balls of mozzarella and then putting them back into the sauce and the like walls are covered in like covered sauce it's like and, a like, fucking grease. crime scene yeah <laughs> And honestly, at the end, at the end when he cooks and the mom, and which I want to talk about this later when we give superlatives, but I all of a sudden had this like anxiety where I was like, because like growing up, you're not, I was not very good at cleaning up after myself, like, you know, when I would cook or whatever. Um, And then the joke when I was in my teens and twenties was like, oh, you can tell Aaron's been in the kitchen because like everything's a little sticky. And now I'm like a freak as you're aware. Um... Like, I washed my walls last weekend, um, but I literally thought to myself, like, was seized with panic when the parents were sitting there, like, oh, it's so clean and nice and quiet in our house. I was like, oh, my God. Like, oh, my God, what if my children make a mess of my kitchen? Oh, no, Aaron. That's I know. what kids do. I know, but, but, like, spaghetti sauce on the walls. Yeah. With their full hand swiping? Uh, yeah. I mean, on purpose? Yeah. Okay, but you're telling me that as a child, you put your hand into a jar of tomato sauce and then you rubbed it on the wall? I mean, I might it might not have been tomato, like, 
Yeah. I mean, I was definitely messed. Like, you can talk to my dad about me decorating Christmas cookies. It was like, the frosting was just my paint and my paintbrush. I am getting a vision of that. It did not have to be on the the cookie. That's uh, like an intended event. Well, the interesting thing about this, like, you know, when, when the house is clean, is they think that their son is on drugs. That's what I was going to say, because one of our superlatives is going to be worst parents. Yeah. And I think that it's them, because really? they say their house is so clean that they think their son's on drugs, or the mom does, and then the dad says, what did you just say? <laughs> and I was like, oh my god. So, okay, I have a few issues with Teen Witch. I just, I don't understand her powers. They, her powers are basically mind control, but they don't really, she, I mean, like, she's pretty much, like, she can do anything. Right, she can do literally she anything. She can't fly, though. She doesn't fly, which she is weird. She can't fly. I, I mean, maybe she can. First of all, she has, like, an amulet that is part of it, but but she uses the amulet, but she doesn't need the amulet. She has a voodoo doll at one point. She, like, lets her. I remember that voodoo scene so vividly. That yes. was what I remember. Like, the minute I saw the voodoo doll, I was like. Oh, right. She's just sitting in class with, like, this giant voodoo doll that no one seems to notice and is, like, forcing her teacher to, like, take off his clothes. Has her drama teacher win the lottery, and then her drama teacher, like, runs off with some, like, count that she... It's just very strange, the choices she makes. Like, her powers are so impressive. Like, she could do anything. And she's like, well... Yeah, she's omnipotent. I'm gonna, like, have my best friend be in a rap battle... And then I'm going to yeah. make my drama teacher win the lottery. And then I'm going to, like, I'm not going to make Brad fall in love with me because I don't think that's a good moral use of my power. But I'm going to make myself the most popular girl so that he's interested in me because he's vapid. Right. And then I'm going to go to a spooky abandoned house and have a terribly, um, just in my mind, terribly awkward, like, sensual makeout session with him that was weird i kind of forgot about that scene i just remember the rowboat scene which was like (laughs) i was just sitting there thinking like my god if i was in high school and one of my friends even like an acquaintance came in i actually started thinking a lot after i watched this movie about like people i went to high school with and like who dated who and i was and just like you know weird kind of scenarios you'd hear about on a monday morning and if someone had come in and turned around in history class and been like, so, um, Brad picked me up, and we studied for a little bit, and then he took me out on a rowboat. I'd be like, I'd have so many questions as a 17-year-old. I'd be like, who's rowboat? What <laughs> pond? Can he row? Like, Can he row? <laughs> what? Was, was it, like, fun? Like, what did you talk about? Like, I can't fathom that being fun at, like, I mean, and this is for someone who, like, I'm going, like, the reason we chose the Airbnb for where Matt and I are going away next week is because it has kayaks included. Yeah, I find this very strange. Like, going, like, we went, We rented kayaks this summer in Connecticut, and they were like, do you want a tandem kayak or two separate? We were like, two separate. Like, I don't need to be in a boat. I mean, if it's, like, on purpose, sure, but, like, it's not... I don't know I'm if it's not be- into tandem things. I don't know if it's because we were a lake town, but water activities were very popular date um, activities. But people didn't do them like at night, you know. It was like Okay, first of all, 
they're not doing it at night. They're de- It's like a golden afternoon, and she's lying there like it's like, like the same shot is in the freaking notebook. Okay, well, uh, that was a very popular date in my high school. People to go on rowboats, rowboats, paddle boats, canoes, kayaks. People did that shit all the time, Interesting. myself included. Okay, I mean, my I high would, school boyfriend had a had a canoe. I would buy that. However, I mean, I buy it from your personal history. I don't buy it in this movie because there's just no context that they're a lake town. They're That's in fair. like a very. It, I mean, I, no, it's a big, a super generic lake. You, it's like Nowheresville, Ohio. It's like yeah, it, it's there's the the town has no personality. Her okay. The other thing that we have to talk about is the wardrobe because this is four, I four years after Teen Wolf, and it's like the wardrobe, and it's like the eighties exploded. Like there's no Teen Wolf is like there's some funny eighties like, but it's so much more like Ferris Bueller. It's like the fashion is like very yeah. obviously eighties, but it's subtle. Like you could like. You it looks s- more like your family photos. It looks normal. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Teen Witch, the outfits are insane. They make no sense. Just like the music videos them. make no sense. Why are there so many layers? It's like you wear a skirt with a tutu over it, with a blazer, on, and underneath that is like an Oxford shirt. And the, and I thought somehow- that pretty much everything that these people were wearing... A pared down version of that was like available on Everlane right now. A pared down though, that's what I'm saying. There's nothing. It's a movie about a teen witch, boys. Yeah, I know, but it just seems like. Don't be hating. I. <laughs> I would say the wardrobe is like the one thing this movie had figured out. I mean, it was very fun. Like I definitely had a lot of fun watching this movie. So I can't fault. Like I'm not. The wardrobe was. It was part of the fun, but it was so insane. They all looked insane. Oh, yeah. Like, everyone looked like they had put on, like, four extra layers when they got dressed. And then the there is a musical sequence in this called Top That, which is oh, yeah. a rap. Um, the, the commitment to rapping and breakdancing in this film is so strange to me. They were just, like... It's the new kids on the block effect. Right. It's like the MTV generation, like this is the new music, like but it's just so cringy. Oh, it's so cringy. Yeah, I watched this movie and I was like, I don't need to revisit this movie, and I cannot believe how deeply ingrained in my subconscious this movie is. Yeah, I I don't know how I missed the boat on this one. I just it just wasn't in my like I don't really know how you did either. Um, do you have any more thoughts on Teen Witch? Um, I remember the mom oh my being really pretty. The mom is so... The, here's the thing. The mom is gorgeous, and her clothing is like so understated and she regular. She belongs in a John Hughes movie. Yes, you're like, I... and then, Which is so weird that like Louise is... It's not weird. Again, it just goes to, like, the parents are clueless. Like, they have no idea that their daughter is going through this, like, existential crisis where she's, like, maybe Becoming too young to be in her grade, and she's becoming a witch, and she's, like, dealing <laughs> Yeah, I, would, yeah, yeah, I wouldn't yeah. say English class is a concern. I would say it's becoming a witch. Or okay. finding out that she's a witch but the, but centuries again, old who had been reborn. Right. Apparently she's part of some, like, Salem clan. Here's the thing, though. Madam Serena is, like... Do whatever you want with your powers. There are no consequences. Because there are no consequences. No consequences. There are no consequences in the movie. Like, she has the moral fiber to be like, 
I shouldn't use a love spell to make Brad fall in love with me. That's the other weird thing is like sometimes she has to use a spell. Sometimes she just like wishes it. Sometimes water makes her spells go away. Sometimes it doesn't. It doesn't matter. Continuity is not the strong suit of this movie. It's not important. And, but if she didn't have that like moral strength to be like, I should make this guy like me for who I am. Madame Serena was like, we can make money. Do whatever you want. I'm with Madame Serena on that. <laughs> I mean, not that I'm for like, what do you counterfeit, but like, whatever. Madame Serena like turns a, she's like, I need your young, like strong powers to turn this frog into like a handsome guy. But she did it. She did it. And Madame Serena was like, great. This is my, this is my new boy toy. Like, um, way to go, Madam Serena. Yeah, there are no, uh, no consequences in this movie, just like there were no consequences in Teen Wolf. Yeah, in that sense, it really makes sense that it's a call and a response. Yeah. Um, Casper, quite honestly, doesn't really fit with these other two. Casper doesn't fit anywhere. I, Aaron and I both have the same thought of who is this film for? Well, I watched, Matt was in the room when this was on, and I was like, how have you never seen Casper? And he was like, I don't know, I didn't watch movies as a child. And I was like, oh, please stop saying that out loud. <laughs> <laughs> I know. It's like you were raised don't, in a cult, like, Matt. Like, you like, like, stop, don't phrase it like that. Good God. Um, <laughs> right? It's like you... His sisters will phrase it as like, there's definitely some gaps in our pop culture knowledge, is what they would, would say. Matt's like, no, never watched movies as a child. I'm like, right. you... Matt, you have like a hundred TVs in your childhood home. Yeah. It's not for a lack of screen time. Also, your sisters have seen movies. Like you were just He has seen movies. Yeah. He's I mean, just not as a child. He was too busy running laps around the apart like the cold sack. Um <laughs> Okay, so Casper, you will you will surmise. Sure. Um but if you as a child I remember feeling like it was maybe a scary and sad movie, but not really remembering the plot. And it's not scary, but it is a sad movie. It's a very sad movie. It is. I think it's like kind of maybe one of the better movies that talks about losing a parent that we've ever watched. That's for sure. Yeah. Um, it is... And I had to like be like, don't cry watching Casper. Yeah. I had to say, I was like, you know what this is. You know what the plot is. You know don't, what's going to happen. Don't, don't, don't cry. cry. Don't let... This is not it. Like, don't let Amy Brennan appearing make you cry. She's so beautiful. <laughs> so Casper came out in 1995. It stars Christina Ricci as Cat, <laughs> The quote unquote loner, loner teen. dog. <laughs> loner so, and his loner daughter. His loner daughter. So the premise is that um, there's this very, very scary house called Whipstaff, which is um, haunted, and Catherine Moriarty, who is a very famous actress, um, she was in Raging Bull. Um, she looks like... If Sybil Shepherd and Faye Dunaway had totally. like a sister, a third yes. sister, um, she like inherited this house in in Maine. Quite honestly, she's an entirely unnecessary subplot. Number one of four hundred that we'll cover. <laughs> so she, I know that's why this plot is like a little tricky. So she inherits this house in Maine from her father, and she's pissed because like she was you know apparently her father's very wealthy and all she gave all he gave her was this house but then she finds out that like there might be a treasure in the house so she they never closed the loop on that not at all 
Right. Um, well, I mean, they find the treasure, and it's like, well, no, they know ne- they never close the loop on that. Right. Right. So in like the deed of the house, there's like the, she throws in the fire because she's like. You know, I can't believe this is all they gave me. estatelers have fireplaces in their conference Correct. rooms. And all deeds have like a secret message Ink. that is yeah. revealed by fire. So it says like, there's treasure here or whatever. So she goes to Maine, she goes to the house, and there are ghosts there. There is Casper, the friendly ghost, and then there are his three uncles who are just known as Stretch, Fatso, and Stinky. So she, well, first, Casper sees Christina Ricci and Bill Pullman on television because Bill Pullman is being highlighted for being a ghost therapist. So He's on some, like, tr- like TV show, like, Extra or something like that. Like, yes. Um, being interviewed. And that's when they say, um, they Dr. Harvey... They some B-roll yeah. of Christina they, Ricci. <laughs> they say, Dr. Harvey and his loner daughter travel around the country. That was when I was like... What the fuck is this movie? Yes. So they, um, Casper sees him on television and is like, I'm a ghost. I need therapy. This girl is super cute. Um, and convinces, like, goes to Catherine Moriarty's character, whose name is Kerrigan, by the way. Yeah. What a gossip girl name. It's true. And, like, tricks her, basically, like, does an inception. Coerce it. Yeah, yeah. And, uh convinces her to like hire Bill Pullman so Bill Pullman leaves Santa Fe drags Christina Ricci with him and is like I'm gonna go be a therapist to some ghosts and like get him out of this house so they move in and they immediately like encounter all the ghosts and they are over it very quickly like no one seems to well what I thought was weird was for a ghost therapist once he encounters the ghosts he was like we have to leave there are ghosts here and I was just like Excuse yeah, me? totally. I mean, he does, com- like, he does come around and is like trying to be a ghost therapist. And yeah, meanwhile, yeah. like Christina Ricci is actually doing a better job of being a therapist. She's like talking to Casper and She's trying just to figure a good out. Listener. She's a good listener. She's trying to figure out what his backstory is because apparently, like, when you've been a ghost that long, you forget, like, who you are. And so she. Um, oh, also, they have. She has a dead mom. Yes, sorry. Her mother is dead, and that is um, a driving force of Bill Pullman's character being a ghost therapist. He's, like, really just trying to get in touch with his dead wife. And so his idea is, like, all ghosts have unfinished business, and that's why they haunt us, and if you just, like, help them solve their unfinished business, they will move on. Um, so that's kind of it. Um, the unfinished business nonsense is really never solved. We never figure out Casper's unfinished business. We find out that his well, father was a great yeah. inventor and, like, came up with this um, machine that was going to, like, bring Casper back to life because apparently his father went crazy and was, like, sent to an insane asylum because he was being haunted by his son. And Casper was like, I didn't go where I was supposed to go when I died. I, like, stayed behind because I didn't want my father to be alone. Right. And this is, like, around, like, the 19... 19- he, he has a ball from a Brooklyn Dodger. So this is going to be, like... Oh my god, we're not fact checking Casper the friendly. Ghost I'm just saying story. it's like it's nineteen like nineteen forty the latest like yeah, but quite honestly, those newspapers certainly didn't look like nineteen forties. You think like nineteen twenties, nineteen thirties? Yeah, yeah. 20s. maybe post depression. Okay, um, but again, like 
the production team of Casper did not think this hard about it. I did because I was like, "This is the most interesting." It's part a chill. Of this. this is a full children's movie. Okay. It's not a teen. Well, that's movie. the thing. They're it's 12. not a children's movie. They're All 12. the references are like to the, the references are so adult. That's what I don't understand who this movie's for. Like, if you're like, and I had this on VHS. I watched this movie so much. I was like very into this film, and. I don't, like, rewatching. it, I'm like, well, I definitely didn't get that. I didn't get that. Right. Okay. This is weird. Um, there's a lot of subplots that are not important. Like, at one point, Kerrigan... It becomes, like, a full-on, like, Indiana Jones yeah. situation. It's like, they're looking for treasure, and then Kerrigan decides that she's going to kill herself so she can become a ghost, and now that she knows there's this machine that has, like, one, one, like potion left to like turn you into a mortal again um she decides she's going to become a ghost so she can steal the treasure and then like be brought back to life it's a lot and then also um christina ricci's father goes on like a drinking binge with the the three other ghosts and then pullman really pulls his weight in this movie he's really quite good um and then he just he accidentally dies because he was drunk and fell into like a like manhole. Yeah. And then Casper's like all psyched because he's gonna be brought back to life. And then he's like, "Oh wait, your dad's dead. I guess your dad should has more reason to like come back to life than me." So he like gives up his one chance to be like a human again. And Bill Pullman gives it to Bill Pullman. So apparently this machine works, which is wild. Um, and uh, yeah, the movie ends. It wasn't like I had to suspend my yes. The movie ends with Christina Ricci's mom coming to on screen as an angel, telling Casper that was a very noble thing you did, sacrificing your chance at life so that Cat could have her dad. Um, I'm going to give you your wish just for one night. You're going to be human boy. You're going to be Devin Sawa. Christina <laughs> Ricci, Devin Sawa have a film romance history. They were they made out now and then. They're going to have a very PG kiss in Casper. Yeah. Um. And then she also, like, gets to have a little bit of closure with her husband. Yeah, and that's when I was about to cry when she was like, you loved, you guys gave me enough love in in life that I didn't mean, I didn't have any unfinished business. And that was when I was like, fucking kids movies, my God. I know, I know. I know, that was, like, very subtle and very well done. And, And I will say, like, I enjoyed Kathy Moriarty in this only to, like, maybe cut through some of that. Like, because there's yeah. a lot of, like, there's just this music that comes on screen. Anytime Casper is thinking about his, like, childhood and anytime, like, Kat or her dad and that was this very, like, mom, existential oh, it was, shit. It was too much. So having Catherine Moriarty being, like, a big-boobed ghost was great. I was yeah. like, I'm into this. Yeah. <laughs> it did. The thing that's hard with Casper, in my opinion, is, like, it feels like it... Like, in a way, nothing really feels... This is going to sound so stupid, because, like, of course this is the case, but nothing really feels, like, specific to Casper. You know, yeah. it's just, like, an amalgamation of all of these different successful movies packaged into mm-hmm. this, like, friendly ghost thing. Yeah, and I mean, I think, like, the Casper IP, like, this Casper comic book territory, is, like, very weak. Like, there's not... This is very not, you know... Weak. This is, like, trying weak. to make a super 
heady movie out of like Scooby Doo. Like it's just not gonna happen. You're gonna have like a it fun. It is. It is fully like Scooby Doo. Yeah, you're gonna have a fun Scooby Doo shenanigans movie. But like the minute you try to introduce any sort of overarching themes of like death and life and yeah family and remembrance yeah it's just way too heavy and really i mean it's not it's actually not poorly done like you said it's actually pretty well done the the messaging um it just feels like it belongs in a different movie yeah you're just (laughs) like wait this is a cartoon and human movie why why are we talking about this yeah um and i mean but Christina Ricci, great. I was just about to say the act, the actors in this are like, you know, top tier actors. Yeah. Christina Ricci was a great child actor, mm-hmm. and she seems pretty well adjusted for all intents and purposes as an adult. Yeah. So kudos to her and her parents. Yeah. For getting on through the nineties. Absolutely. I mean, she was like definitely one of the people of one of the actors of the nineties that I remember most vividly. Right, but if we're picking Christina Ricci teen performances in spooky movies, it's Adam's Family Values all the way. 100%. All Adam's the only one way. or two. Either. She's so good. All the way. Um, she's so, so, so good. Her deadpan is amazing. Uh, and I did watch her um, in the Zelda Fitzgerald movie or not movie amazon series oh you did she was really good i hated that book so much so um but it was only i hated that book so much and i read it like eight years ago yeah so there you go not that long five but she's very good in it um yeah i'm not gonna give it every time um coolie yeah i mean i would say it's not a teen movie casper is not a teen movie it's it's a children's movie. It's a children's movie. It's it's a children's movie that explores deep adult themes, which makes it even more of a children's movie. Right. Um, there's nothing really teen about it. There's like well, a, there is a party a and a mean girl. There's a mean girl. Yeah. There's um who gets her comeuppance. And there's like a cute harder, romance. It's harder to root for comeuppances of mean girls when they're like twelve. Totally. You know what I mean? It felt very weird to be like. This girl, I know this girl's a bitch, but like I she's twelve. She's twelve, and like I don't know. She's twelve. Um, yeah, like that girl probably becomes Nancy in the craft. Wow. No, not really, but Damn. like I don't know. You go to you go to a you go to a part a school party that got co opted from your plan, and then you get assaulted by a ghost. Okay. Yeah. Interesting. Some, you're well, that, therapy that in high is, school. That is the other thing is that I kept thinking about. If you're Christina Ricci in this movie, at some point you have to move on in your life and you have to, like, tell your first kiss story. And you have to be like, my first kiss was was with a ghost. And people are going to be like, oh. Ooh. I got to move to the other end of the table. Right. Like, you, I mean, as as good of a job as this movie did with, like, some adult themes, like, Christina Ricci is, like, definitely fucked up. It's like Ninth House, right? She's going to see ghosts for the rest of her life. Like what? That book Ninth House that you oh. and I both read. Yeah, I loved that book. Was I actually really was thinking about that book today when I was thinking like, what do I want to read next week on mm-hmm. vacation? Something creepy. Oh, I I have two Agatha Christie's I can give you. I have two Tana French books lined up. Okay. Have you read Tana French? Mm-mm. <gasps> uh, but yeah, I kept thinking, and maybe this is just because 
this is where my mind is at. I just kept thinking about how supremely fucked up Christina Ricci's character is going to be. Well, especially because her dad is a ghost therapist. And is, like, kind of a crappy dad. Maybe just because he's dealing with his own grief. And, like, I can't give him too, like, fault him too much. Yeah. But it just seems like she's going to have a tough road ahead of her. Like. Yeah. Because also Casper is still in her life. Like. They still live there. Her, like, best friend is a ghost. Uh, like a jealous ghost. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. Like a little possessive. She has to break up with Casper. Yeah, she has to break up with a ghost. And, but, like, her first kiss with him was with him as a mortal boy. Do they keep in touch, do you think? Casper and... I think Casper, like... No, no, no. Christina Ricci and Devin Sutton. Oh. <laughs> it's like... The real people. adults, Christina the Ricci, real keep up people. with it. Um... I don't know. I don't know. I want to know. But could you find out for me? Yeah. Call him up. Um, we don't really have... Well, superlatives we have are just the crappiest parents. Yeah. I think it goes to Bill Pullman. I think he's just... It's not okay what he's doing. The psychological scarring he's doing as a quote-unquote therapist to his own daughter is really messed up. Yeah, I'm going to give it to um, Michael J. Fox's dad, who just completely <laughs> failed to tell his son he's a fucking werewolf. That's a really good one. I was going to give it to, um, I was going to give it to Louise's parents, but I just, I think if you're a werewolf, um, you maybe got to have that chat at like, you know, like puberty is yeah. a good time. Uh, that's a very good point. I mean... Uh, of all the things to keep from your child, like that's a pretty. Hey, bad. you're gonna become a werewolf one day, bud. Maybe it's one of those things where like, you just don't know how to say it, so like you just, you know, you got years to. Think it's like about an it. almost famous when she can't bring herself to tell him that he's actually eleven. That's the best thing. Eleven? I also held you back a year, so I'm not twelve. You're eleven. Eleven? Eleven. One of my favorite scenes. So I'm just going to give us this quick nugget. So the best teen movie is probably Teen Witch. Yeah. Okay. This was a nugget I learned from how this get made. The brother in Teen Witch, the actor, was in Leonardo DiCaprio's Pussy Posse. He was like a he went he went to Yale. He's like an author, and he was in the Pussy Posse. I know. Oh my god. I know. And he like apparently was quite ashamed or like he was not happy to be associated with this movie until there a drag queen approached him and was like your role in that movie and that movie in general was so important and seminal to me that I just wanted to like was so happy to like meet you and tell you how much this movie meant to me and he was like well drag queens tell like it is so I'm really happy to hear that this movie actually meant, meant something to someone. So what is this man doing now? I think he's just like a writer and, uh, yeah. What can, what does he write? Like novels and screenplays. and. I'm really curious about the people who make a living writing screenplays that get optioned and never made. Like there's a whole economy of people that yeah. do that. But like how much money do they make? A lot. A lot. Because yeah. people, right, like they give the option can sometimes be like $100,000 and your script mm. goes nowhere. 
Interesting. Okay, that's an that is an interesting fact. Um, for those of you who don't aren't familiar with the Pussy Posse, there are some truly incredible um interviews out there. Just like Google, like I would just do a quick Google Leonardo DiCaprio Pussy Posse. Um, who's the other guy who's in it? I'm thinking of one guy. I He's mean, like kind of gaunt looking. There were like wasn't Tony McGuire in it? If, he was like on the fringe of it. <laughs> Can you pull it up? Yeah. Um, let's see here. Da- yeah, David Blaine, Leo DiCaprio, and Tobey Maguire. Um, I don't know. Uh, let's see. Lucas Haas. Yeah, that's Connelly. Him Lucas Haas is who I'm thinking of. Um, yeah. Yeah, and they were basically just like playboys in New York in like the late 90s, early 2000s. Yes. And they just, like, romped. There is a great article by Nancy Jo Sales. Yes, it is a Nancy Jo Sales. From 1998 called Leo, Prince of the City. Which we should do... Nancy Jo Sales is also the source material for Bling Ring, which is a great yes. teen movie. We're, um, we're, we have a teen crime episode, and that is falls into that category. Yeah. Um, okay, so the other superlative is best... Ability? Best oh, superpower? Oh, yeah, best superpower. I mean, I think that it's very clearly Louise, because uh, she can do yeah. literally Everything. Carte anything. Um, she doesn't wield her powers in a very interesting way. You wouldn't know that she has carte blanche, because she uses well, it for Well, but she's most... a teenage girl. Yeah, but here's the thing. Like, this is what gave me... This gave, like, put the craft into a little different perspective. Like, those girls... I thought they're use of their powers is superficial. But like Nan- six years makes American I culture. But also like Nancy was like and I would like the power of all to be in, inside of me. I'm like that girl had some vision. Yeah. You know, like I get that she's a teenager but like come on, there's teenage girls that are like Yeah, I mean now we know. have Sabrina the teenage witch which that series I watched the first season of me it. Too. And I mean she she made a deal with the devil. So yeah. we've evolved as as a I just meant like the think a little bigger, you know, like that's that's Sabrina show like actually scared me. It's super terrifying. Yeah, we're talking about so there's Sabrina the Teenage Witch, which with Melissa Joan Hart, which is I have which had, Matt Lynch has seen. Hilarious. Matt Lynch like has like a weird awareness of Melissa Joan Hart content. I just found out. I think he did watch like TGIF or whatever. Yeah. yeah. So if you aren't familiar with the remake that was done on Netflix. Um, it is so scary. Like, Sabrina the Teenage Witch on TJF was, like, fun, light, poppy. Like, there was, it was never scary. No. This one is full-on, like, they're drinking blood, and it's terrifying. Yeah, and it has, like, um, really high production value. Yeah. It's like American Horror Story vibes. Yeah, kind of. But also, then, you just, like, kind of calm down a little bit, and it, it feels like just, like, a souped-up episode of Charmed. Or Riverdale. There's no supernatural in Riverdale. Yeah. It's a little weird. I mean, how many seasons did you watch? I stopped like years ago. Oh, okay. Because there's a whole new subplot with like a some supernatural stuff. It gets pretty. But you're right. Charmed is the once better. they got into like jingle jangle trading, I was like, I'm out. <laughs> I'm out on this. Just wait. Oh man, there's I'm not whole... getting back into. This. No, there's a whole like dungeon, deadly Dungeons and Dragons that oh. plot that goes on for a full season. It is. Uh, no. Wow. Nope. 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 
Um, cool. <laughs> what else do we want to talk about about these movies? Really anything? I'm just, I'm glad that I watched them. I'm, I do feel like I have a little more, like, teen movie history. Like, there were some blind spots in my knowledge that I'm right. glad I filled in. I feel like I understand the evolution of teen movies a lot better. Um, but I will never watch Teen Wolf or Teen Witch ever again. I probably won't watch Casper again either, honestly. Yeah, I can't I don't imagine. need to. No. I don't no. need to. These are not my favorite teen movies I ever saw, but I'm glad that I watched them. And they were fun Halloween movies. Totally. I don't know if or when we'll be able to record our third Halloween episode, which is going to... has, like, a little more adult, and it's a little, like... Sexier. And what were the movies we were going to do for that? Um, so these were like teen heartthrobs. So we wanted to oh, do right. like Teaching Mrs. Tingle and um, Disturbing Behavior, Idle Hands, Devon Sawa, Full Circle. We'll see if we can fit these in. But, um, I have a I bad can, feeling we won't. I can tell by Aaron's face that we might not be able to. So we'll just have to uh, visit them next year. Maybe we'll be back with another Halloween episode Maybe we'll be back with an archival piece. We probably will next week. The next episode will probably be back to high school. Um, and then, I, you know, I really want to do a New York episode. So we'll see. A lot of New York movies are quite dark. So uh, maybe this kind of two-week lead time on it will, will help kind of buffer it out a bit. Yeah. I mean, I think that there are some... So New York movies in general, like especially like fall New York movies, are so charming and wonderful. New York teen movies are intense. Oh yeah. So yeah, it'll be an interesting episode. A little this was a little if this was frothy, that will be a little uh, heavier. Totally, but that's okay. Thanks for joining us. Happy Halloween. Happy Halloween. <laughs>